Good evening, everyone. It is eight, excuse me, nine thirty-nine Eastern on Sunday, April the twenty-third, and we are recording episode one hundred. One hundred of that wings guy so for 99 of your time flips out here and done this and we're still doing it for some crazy reason but we're going and so tonight or tomorrow when you're actually listening to this but it won't be tomorrow when you're listening to this it'll be today uh, oh, whatever <laughs> whenever you're actually listening to this our guests tonight are the range master staff or family whichever you want to want to call it all of the children have gathered together tonight without adult supervision <laughs> maybe Gary. and we're going to tell you how we became affiliated with the range master kind of what we do with range master all the other stuff going on and etc and we were having a debate just before we started as who is senior john or tiffany and since i like tiffany better and ladies first tiffany <laughs> Okay. Um, well, hey, folks, I'm Tiff. Um, and let's see, I guess I started at Rangemaster as a um, permit student. I, I, I came to Tom's permit class, which is the weirdest thing in the world. Like I know most people don't think about Tom as teaching handgun carry permit classes, but he did once upon a time way back at, at the mothership. Um, in Memphis, Tennessee. So I was, you know, kind of walking around fat, dumb and happy, didn't know anything about guns, was a little bit afraid of guns and walked into Rangemaster one day and signed up for a class, took a permit class, had no idea who Tom was. That was, I believe, 2001. So it was either right before or right after John Hearn uh, came into the Range Master family. So, so we we've been we've been at this for right around the same amount of time, about 20, 25 years, something like that. Carry the one. I don't know. You didn't tell me there would be math involved. Um, so anyway, I took that class. I in that eight hours in that eight hours period, I I kind of a lot of things that were floating around in my head sort of got flipped. 180 degrees and I was shocked I was not expecting that I was floored I was fascinated I was in awe and I was hungry and I signed up for another class that day I'm sure it must have been within you know weeks of that that I met Hearn and he's been trying to get rid of me ever since now tell everyone why you showed up for that class oh why was that you tell me. <laughs> oh, come on. That what? you went to prove that all your anti-gun stuff that you thought you knew was correct. You just going to put me out there like that. Well, so yeah, I, there were two reasons. First, I was afraid and I don't, I'm a control freak. So fear makes me feel out of control. So I didn't like that. So I was trying to get, to get over this fear a little bit. That was one. But the other thing was I, I really was, Lee's right, I was convinced that guns were just a bad thing, that society would be better off if there were no guns. Um, but I didn't know how to articulate that without just being emotional. And so I wanted to learn the the right terminology and I wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking about when I explained to myself 
and my stance on guns. And so that's why I took the class. Um, so yeah, I, it didn't turn out that way, actually. <laughs> I thought I was going to go and, and become a better um, advocate for, for reducing guns ownership in society. And uh, quite the opposite was true. All right. As you can see, our surprise guest has joined us, but we'll get to him in a, in a minute. We, oh, now, wow. we, we now behave. have adult supervision. All right, <laughs> <laughs> everybody sit up straight. <laughs> That's right. right. John Hearn. Okay. Hey, guys, John Hearn here. Um, so I moved to Mississippi at the very end of, I believe it was 2000. And prior to that, I'd been living in the Las Vegas metro area, working out that way as an LEO. Uh, I had kind of started down the training junking path. I uh, actually went to Front Sight when they were still in Bakersfield. Uh, I can't if that was like 97, 98, 99 sometime. Back then, I know that the, this falling out with Chuck Taylor and Suarez had just happened if you know your history at all. So I was well on the road to training junkiedom. Uh, I was shooting some local matches, doing really well. Um, I was a bit of that... Um, I'm not sure exactly how to try the uh like the cop that could shoot. And it was almost like a parlor trick. The first time I, I showed up at a match and I shot a man on man event, I was out of my duty gear and this crowd descended upon me because they're like, Were you snapped in? And I'm like, Well, yeah. And they're like, We've never seen a cop shoot like that. So I was well on that training junkie path. And I was looking to continue to that way. And I was like looking for training close and uh, at the time, I was living in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, and there's nothing near Kosciuszko, Mississippi. Uh, the running joke is if you had to look for a place to put the enema in Mississippi, Kosciuszko would be about the exact center where you would do that. So uh, I'd actually emailed Tom when I was still living uh, out west. I said, hey, uh, I've, done some, I've, you know, I, I've done classes at Gunsight. I'd like to you know, continue to train. What can you do? And he said, well, we can probably get you into our level two, which is like, you know, uh, uh, one step above the permit class where you learn to draw from the holster. And I thought that was great. Uh, well, I was really bored and I was kind of living the uh, monastic life. Uh, the house I was living in was very small and my rent was only $350 a month. So that meant that I pretty much spent all my money on ammo and training, which is really convenient. Uh, there was a website out there taught, that did military stuff on how to use a rifle. And I thought that I knew enough about pistol shooting to start to share some of that. So I actually had a website, uh, had some course reviews, some book reviews. And I think Tom had reached out to me by email. Um, it was really funny because I had um, uh, offered mixed feelings on his book, which was Fighting Smarter, which was it's like, you know, I really enjoyed most of the book, but certain parts of it ticked me off this kind of thing. And he had actually admitted that he was uh, the criticism was fair. I wish I could find that email because it would be one of the few instances Tom Gibbons ever admitting that he was wrong in writing. <laughs> but I suspect that he's destroyed that email. So um, uh, later on, I uh, started up my own website where I started, you know, those reviews. And then I guess he had my address. I don't know exactly he had it, but I actually have my what I refer to as my Hogwarts letter uh, right here. Uh, it is dated uh, 12 December 2001. Uh, it's basically an invitation to audit the course uh, that Tom, Dane Burns, and Higginbotham were doing. It was one of the five five day courses. Tom has done one of those of the year. And at the end, I'll just go ahead and read this. Um, also, have you considered working as an instructor? You have a strong and broad training background, and if you can articulate, and if you can articulate as well as you write, I believe you would do well. We apprentice several trainers at Rangemaster at any given time, and I would be pleased to have you participate in any of our programs if your schedule would permit. So, I, I think it took me about three days from receiving that letter to beat feet to Memphis, uh, introduce myself to Tom formally because I think I'd been by the range before, 
And uh, I had to actually attend my basic academy at Fletzy. And it was really funny because uh, I graduated from Fletzy and my first request was, oh my God, I need you to fix me. Because uh, I actually shot worse after having graduated from the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center than when I went there. So fortunately, literally, like I'm back the first weekend and there's a Higginbotham class. And, you know, uh, Higginbotham took the duty to unscrew me up as far as that goes. And I guess they would say the rest of that is uh, history. Uh, I was digging through my folder. I actually had some other memorabilia. Here's my uh, charter member card to the Polite Society back in Higginbotham and Gibbons thought that people wanted realistic training. Uh, I am a charter member from 2003, and my my uh, my card number is 20, so I go back a little ways. All right, Akil. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Do you uh, have exhibits? Because John has set the set the bar. Huh? No, I came in the digital age, so it's a little different <laughs> for me. <laughs> but I um after doing uh my time at Buffalo PD, I decided to move down to America here and. When I got Tennessee, I um, was working on the federal contracts and uh, a couple guys asked me, hey, you know, could you think about doing permit classes? So I said, yeah, let me look around and see where I can get certified. And one guy, I said, where's the you know best place? And I asked somebody, where's the best place in Tennessee? And they said, well, it's this place called Rangemaster down in Memphis. And I had read about Tom and, you know, had him in my soul. Oh, yeah, that's Tom Givens place down there. And they were like, yeah, and they said, but the only problem is you can fail. And I was like, oh, well, that's where I want to go. <laughs> so I went down and uh, took his class, took the instructor development class. And it was funny at the time, there was a bunch of who's who's later on, you know, Kathy Jackson, people like that were in the class. And I didn't know, you know, who they were, but it was like later on as I went on, I started to recognize some of these people who were actually in the class, did pretty well in it. And uh, I was hooked like everybody else. And after that, I was going to TACON every year. Uh, I think that was 2007, 2008, I think, or nine. And I started going to TACON every year. And it was cool because back then, I, you know, I was struggling. And that, that was when you could go to the mothership and I would pay time on the way in. I like sent him an email saying, hey, I'm I'm broke. Can I, can I save up the money and come down? He'd be like, cool. And I see him on the way in the door paying for TACON and walk in. You know, that was that was the good old days. It was cool. So um, after that, I would just hang around and bought, bought everything that the guy wrote and and uh, I had had prior training at places like TDI and places like that, but none of them, you know, they were great. But um, this place just felt like you know, the place I needed to be. And, you know, I just liked the way he he, he did it. And um, uh, he answered a lot of questions for me. So after hanging out at TACON a couple of years, I remember one time I ran into Lee at TACON and I was like, hey, uh, you know, when I'm watching on the Internet, you know, you know, you know, Tom, I want to dating but time's getting a little older and you know hopefully he's going to pass this stuff on to somebody you know and it seems to me like you might be one of those people and he was like at least said yeah there's some time putting together stay tuned you know and um and that's when I think the uh um shotgun class and some other things started coming out I forgot and then um soon after uh you know they asked me uh they got kind of got jumped in in the hallway and they beat me up in the hallway <laughs> and at one of the events one of the reunions <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i've and i've been home ever since and, you, and, and okay and no, you have to tell that story off <laughs> oh so i was sitting in i forgot it was a reunion or something it was, it was, I was a reunion, reunion in Oconee. oh yeah. yeah and i was sitting there you know you know paying rapt attention at whatever's being taught and taking notes and time walked by and tasked me and says you know come outside you know I'm like, oh shit, what I do, you know? Okay, so, let me cuss on you. I'm sorry. Oh, what did I do? You know, what I'm so I go out in the hallway, and it's the team out there. You know, everybody's out there, and and 
Tom was like, hey, you know, you know, would you consider joining us? And I was I, I like all the breath left my body, you know, and and I was like, wow, this is, you know, this, you know, wow, seriously? Yeah, well, of course, you know, you know, and 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 uh and you know it went from there. It was just, you know, I, but yeah, I, I felt like I got jumped because I was a woozy and I had to go outside and get my get my composure and, and call my dad and tell my dad, you know, he was pretty excited about it. So uh that's how that went down it was and it's been been great ever since and then it was funny because after the reunion we went uh over to the um to the little center what was that center we went to lee after where we had the meeting uh the emergency operations center at the sheriff's yeah. office and and then we had like a two or three hour meeting after the thing and i was like wow this is they this the big they serious <laughs> like we don't all just break and go home <laughs> it's like no we gotta we gotta meet and talk about what we did and how to make it better i was like wow okay yeah now, now i'm knowing with the real with the right team so that's when i i knew right after that that i was with the right people and it's been like i said it's been wonderful ever since yeah, there's a plaque in the rotunda of the Civic Center. Like here in 20, whatever it was, Akil Kadir was jumped into the range master. <laughs> so that everybody can come by and do an uh. This is where it happened, man. That's where it happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. I guess my affiliation with Tom first started online. Um, you know, just various writings and stuff and following that way and email correspondence and, of course, pistol form. And April of 2014, I uh, hosted my first ever open enrollment class, and that was Range Master, and John came as one of the assistant instructors for that class, and um, I ended up taking the instructor course later that year, which was the last event ever in the Range Master facility, and I had been to TACCON just before hosting that class, and I remember I walked into the classroom and sat down and John Hearn comes up and leans over where only I can hear what he's saying. He says, I don't know if we have enough time to un-dirty word you here. And then Tom has us come up and do our intros and I get up and I don't do the whole thing. And I sit back down and John calls me out in front of the whole class saying I'd soft pedal my interview. It's like, just wait a minute, just a minute ago, <laughs> you were saying that now you're doing this. And people wonder why I give you such a hard time. Uh, you're so not saying it isn't deserved. Yeah. So I've 20, never denied that it's deserved. Uh, 2015, I guess I went through the advanced instructor class and then master didn't exist at that time and then 2016 tom invited me to come help him with a revolver class in tennessee and then i helped with an instructor class in virginia and then um you know tom invited all of us to come do the the forming of the range master principles thing that we did for the very first reunion and that's where it all kind of kind of got to rolling and uh Folks, we have been joined by our adult supervision. I did not tell the other children that Tom was going to be dropping in on us. Lynn's not in town. No, so you she, did not. <laughs> uh, Lynn's out of town, so she couldn't make it. But Tom, you have the floor. If you have any memories of how you met all of us, please drop them in, in right now. And you're muted. And you're still muted. And without Tiffany there to get his technical work, I know. Still muted. 
He had come off mute there for a second. Can't you unmute him, Lee? I asked him to unmute. So I'm on my screen. It's lower left-hand corner. There we go. There, there we, we are. Go. All right. I can't punch it, but still something happened. <laughs> all right. Well, I won't be here all that long. Uh, so I want you guys to be able to speak unfettered later on. But uh, I, I just wanted to pop in and say a couple of things. First off, uh, Lynn couldn't be here tonight. She's out of town already. I'm going to be leaving in the morning, uh, taking off for Texas. But I wanted to drop by and just tell uh, all four of you just how incredibly proud both of us are of you. Uh, we've had uh, a really, really good time over the last 20 years watching you grow and, and mature into individual professionals with your own your own shows. We're really, really proud of all of you. Uh, we, As you mentioned, we first... Uh, brought to Tiffany and John on in uh, 2001, 22 years ago. Uh, Tiffany, I think, was nine at the time. And uh, John had just started shaving. Apparently, he's forgotten how. And uh, they were basically just kids. And we, we started started uh, working with them more and more. Uh, with both of them being there close to the mothership, came in an awful lot, taught classes, uh, started out, of course, being AIs, and then eventually lead instructors. Uh, Akeel's been with us since uh, 2009. It's hard to believe. Uh, 14 years. That's that's a long time. Uh, I'd almost forgotten about your induction ceremony there at the uh, at the reunion, but uh, we were just tickled to have you with us. And then uh, Lee, it doesn't seem like it's almost 10 years in our case, but it's uh, time's flying right by. I turned 71 this year, and as the older you get, the faster they go by. It's just really hard to believe it's been 15 to 20 years with you guys. But over that time, we've seen you grow, grow tremendously as professionals. Now you're all out um, still doing things as range master staff, but you're out of, uh, doing your own thing under your own flag now. We're just really, really tickled to see that. And uh, you've all you've all earned it. You, you've done the work, and you put in the time, and uh, now you start to see the fruits of that labor. So congratulations. Excellent. Is now would be a good time for you to tell everybody that you actually do like me better than John, right? <laughs> John, I, I think of John as the son I wish I'd never had. <laughs> he's the older like brother. To, uh... He he's the older brother that I didn't really want, but I kind of like. Uh, uh, he grows. Uh, I would just like to take this moment to thank Tom for not having drowned me when I was a young pup, because had he held my head under the water to the bubble stop. It would have been completely justifiable and understandable. So I appreciate that. I, I knew you had potential. <laughs> my my FTO told me once that I had potential. It means I want more than nothing right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, that's that's pretty much where we are. So I'm going to go get ready to go to Texas. And I hope you guys have a good evening. And again, thank you for all the time and effort you put in over the years. And and again, I'm just as proud of you as I could possibly be. All for it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank Tom. You, Tom. Lee's trying thank to you. make me cry. <laughs> and yes, Tiffany, this was just to make you cry. I know, but I'm gonna get through it. I'm gonna get through it. I'm strong. <laughs> just remember, Tiffany, that's not a man that gives praise lightly. Uh, I know. I know. All right, kids. Love all of you. Good night. All right. Thanks, Tom. Bye. We love you. Bye-bye. Right. <laughs> That's just wrong, Lee. Just wrong. <laughs> uh.
you know you enjoyed it ambush man. journalism the lowest form right there sneaky <laughs> so what he's, resorting, he's, he's exhausted his skills and ability so 100 we're starting to do ambush journalism that's, right. that's where we are that's right right <laughs> I, I, I guess almost, i almost brought myself to put tom on the spot and ask him what he saw in me but i don't think i could have handled it I don't, not live um, but yeah. I and I talk about that all the time. And, I, and I've talked about it with John too. Like I, Tom, as much as I love him, Tom and I probably could not be more different if we tried. Like I, there are a thousand reasons why Tom and I should not have the relationship that we do. And yet it works. And I have no idea what made him in 2013 2021 uh, 2001 or whatever that was when I walked in there just as you know as far away from a potential mentee as I could possibly have been I have no idea what made him say hey you come here let me talk to you and keep doing that for the next 20 years like I have no idea I'm glad he did but it blows my mind to this day so at some time, at one point, at some point, I'm going to work up the nerve to actually ask him, but <laughs> I don't know what he saw in me. I know that I wrote something online that made him laugh and that he took note of it. I was describing an incident and I described another deputy sheriff as just being, excuse me, as providing visual information for the bad guy to process and that, <laughs> that amused Tom and, uh, and he, he wrote me a note. And, uh... Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I mean, I, I have my own lane in, in the range master family and there's things that I do, but there's a whole lot of things that I don't do. I mean, I professionally, or as, at least as far as pistol craft goes, I don't consider myself a peer to, to the three of you like at all. And that's fine. I, I used to be insecure about that, but I helped me get over that. Um, but I don't, see myself as a peer all of you came to Tom with a huge resume of stuff that impressed him I'm different in that I didn't I like I had none of that I was as far away from that so that's why it just it blows my mind you know I was not he didn't see me on pistol forum I didn't talk to him about my time at Fletzy like I didn't have any of that I was in law school you know what I mean like it, I was just some chick so it just to this day blows my mind. I don't I don't know what it was, but I'm glad it happened. You know, I've had a lot of people through the years kind of ask, you know, they'll they're like this, they won't talk to Tom directly about it, but they'll ask something about you know what he respects and people and everything like that. And I think the biggest thing Tom respects is competence. And if you're competent in an area. I think he just really respects that. I think think he also respects um, intellectual curiosity Mm -hmm. and humility Um, because there are a lot of people who don't, well, me, for example, who may not have competence, may not have had competence in the skill sets that, you know, Tom is an expert in, but I think and I'm guessing, like I said, at some point I'll work up the nerve to just ask him flat out. But I think once my curiosity was peaked and once I started asking questions and 
and I and and I was willing to put aside a lot of the misconceptions that I had and I did that publicly with Tom like man I used to believe some dumb stuff okay I'm starting over let's start over here I like I think he respects that also um because there's so much Dunning Kruger out there and there's so many people who just hold tight to their beliefs and and the things that they've done since the beginning of time why just because that's what they've always done and so I, I think there's a lot of that there too or at least that would be my guess if only you had asked him that we could have gotten all that document and I can I could I don't think I would have made it through <laughs> <laughs> Akil, you were going to say something oh I remember one time Tiff asked him kind of joking and he just said he said, I'm a, I got a good eye for talent, and which didn't mean anything. I was like, because, you know, I, I thought he came to me one day and he said, um, if you think Tiffany was the reason why you here, then that's not it. And that that, that made me feel a little better because, you know, right that me and Tiff started running right around the time that happened. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe, you know, you know, Tiff put a bug in his ear or something. And you know, I didn't even ask him, you know, I was. But he walked up one day and just said, you know, if you think Tiff was the reason, no, that's not it. And then he walked off and I let it go. <laughs> As he typically think, does. <laughs> yeah. So that Tom is an ultimate, he loves confidence. It's, you know, Range Master has always been a brutal meritocracy. And while you may not have had the exact same skills in the same areas as everybody else, the fact that you had high levels of skill that he could appreciate, I mean, that, that was huge. Uh, as a little bit of, you know, you know, obscure range master stuff. I actually used to do the range master website and that was when everything was coding mm -hmm. HTML by hand. And when they were like an annual brochure with the classes listed, all that kind of, I did that, but it looked like I did it. And <laughs> Tiffany eventually came in and just, I mean, you know, Tiffany brings a lot of stuff to the table. I mean, if you brought nothing but your aesthetic sense to the table, that would be huge because you make us look like adults, which is hard to do. <laughs> Well, thank you, bro. I, I, I can that. I can attest to that because it was I, I remember the bad old days when I was doing my own websites and he, you know, and then came along and she came don't, along and told me my way. Yep, I'm don't say, you don't you website. do it, don't do it. it. And then and if now people love my website and and it's wonderful. You it, always tell Fibs about that about that whole story, that, how that, that whole is, thing went down. That is not like the way that. you say. I got I got witnesses. You said your websites. <laughs> So we'll fix it. That was good. So. I don't remember what it was. One time Tiffany like sent me an email was like, send me your whatever code for something. I'm like, what's that? And she like LOL. And I'm like, no, Tiffany, I'm serious. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what she was asking for. <laughs> She's like, oh, well, you right click here and you hit this. <laughs> and you do it all. Oh, well, okay, I can do that. So. Well, it's fun working with y'all. I learn. A lot, just being a fly on the wall around you guys. You know, I guess kind of thinking way back to the early days. Uh, you know, I did April of 2014. I, the first weekend of that month, I did Combative Pistol. Later that month, I went to the Rogers Shooting School. And like, I get an email from Tom, like the very next week, call me. And I called, and he starts quizzing me. <laughs> about different things in the in the in the Rogers school and how does that compare to whatever and I took a hackathon class that same week he's like now compare the technique from this class to that class and everything I'm like why is he asking my opinion 
know, who am I to be telling him this? But, you know, it's just the whole thing of, of you know, wanting to respect competence, wanting to, Tiffany, I think you said it, intellectual curiosity and appreciating people that want to be students. Mm-hmm. I think I guess will be the, be another thing to throw into that. That's, yeah, that's that's I think that's probably big. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to go around to each of you and ask, what do you think the hallmark of the entire range master doctrine is? And I'll go in the order of my clock face here. Ock, you're number you're number one here. <laughs> um, give them what they need and not what they want. Um. And uh, and be a perpetual student. Be all. Be still growing. Um, I think, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that. Um, was you a John who said that Tom respects people who continue to study, continue to take classes. He still does, you know. Uh-huh. And um, um, you know, that's that's what I think it is. Is, is you know, because there's a lot of you know stuff being sold out here to people that you know you and I know they may or may not be able to use. Um, but one, what, what I love about Tom's stuff is that he's distilled it down to what, what you really need to do um, based on the context in which we teach, which is, you know, you know personal protection or, as John Hearn would say, the uh, statutory use of pro-social violence. Um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, those of us who folk focus on that part of the industry, um, really being able to give people the most for in the in with the uh, pithy statements and the least amount of words and, 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 and not wasting their time. You know, Tom's got a thing with time, nothing else, you know what I'm saying? And so um, it's funny, I'm, I'm, you know, down here taking a class and, you know, with, with me and Monique are here. And, and it's funny, even she commented, she was like, man, Tom, the way Tom does it, we, we, I said, there's no time wasted. Like you're always doing something, you know? And not that this class wasn't, cause we were too. Uh, and you can see Tom's influence on Ed Monk stuff, you know, and um, so I hope I put something out in that you know, mind just kind of went off. But really, if I could say anything, it's, you know, give the people really what they need. Tiffany. Um, I think. Gosh, there's a couple of things and, and I started thinking of more as I was listening to Oct talk, but there's a story that Tom tells about how once a student of his um, commented that Tom in his own way gives his students permission to be pro-socially violent, gives them permission to to demand their own preservation. And I think that that is something that's really taken for granted, especially in the South where we're taught to be polite all the time. Um, So I think that that step is often skipped because the folks who are teaching take for granted that anybody that comes to take a class like this has already given himself or herself permission to employ violence as a self-preservation tool. But we can't take that for granted. Um, Some people take classes for all kinds of other reasons, even defense-oriented classes. They may take in spite of not yet 
having taken that step to say, you know what, it's okay. I have a right. And, you know, some may argue I have an obligation as long as I am renting this little space in the universe to be a good steward of, of that space that's on loan to me. And if you haven't had that talk with yourself, then a lot of what you learn in these defense classes is kind of an amusement park. It's kind of a sightseeing game. It's kind of, you know, um, fantasy band camp. Um, so I think that Tom connects those dots in a way that few others have. And I think it's critical. It's It seems trivial. It seems like it should just go without saying, but I'm often shocked at how much it needs to be said. And the folks who either haven't had this discussion with themselves in the mirror, what am I willing to do? What is my medal about? What is my constitution? How much am I willing to negotiate in exchange for myself? If you've never actually articulated these arguments, then it can be um, you know, it, it, it can, it can be, you can be blindsided by it on top of suddenly seeing your life flash before your eyes. So Tom has a way of interrogating you about what you're willing to do for yourself and forcing you to, to, to face those questions head on. And I think that's a critical step before all of the other stuff that we all teach in class can actually start to sink in in a way that is, you know, readily applicable in a way that feels fair, that feels just, that feels, um, you know, justified and righteous. Uh, and I, I, I don't know how he does it. He's a bit of a poet in that sense, um, in terms of instructorship. Uh, so I really respect that about him and and am thankful that he gave me that stepping stone before all of the other parts of my training journey. Joe? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me come last so that Tiff and Ott can steal the really, really good stuff and leave me with what's <laughs> left. But uh, thanks, buddy. Uh, but a bunch of thoughts popped in as they were talking. I think that Lynn said it best, right? I don't carry a gun so I can impose my will on others. I carry a gun so that others cannot impose their will on me. And that is, uh, as Tiffany alluded to, that's an important philosophical statement in place to build your whole worldview. And I think that's, you know, as far as like, I, I think the original question was the range master doctrine is like, look, you have a right to your life and people don't have the right to take that from you or, you know, realistically to a certain degree, you know, take your dignity as far as that stuff goes. Um, so I think that when you've got that goal, you have to respect people's time and get that information to them in the quickest, most efficient way possible. I think I've shared this with everybody, you know, um, Carl Wren has seen Tom God knows how many times over the, the years now. And he watched our presentation where we tried to sum up the range master stuff. And I, I respect Carl immensely. I'm like, so Carl, what do you think that we hit him? And he goes, well, everything you said was right, but the true value of Tom is the precision of his language. He can say things in the least amount of words possible, but in the most absolutely impactful way. He's not going to waste your time. I mean, I just, 
God help me. I, I suffered last week. I had to teach cops for like eight hours, like, you know, four hours all across two days. And it was absolutely a horrible experience. I mean, I would be a raging alcoholic if that was my my daily existence. But that's completely, you know, part of the reason that experience was so frustrating was that, you know, um, at the risk of being arrogant, I'm, I'm like, you're casting seeds upon unfertile soil, you know? And uh, one of the things that popped into my mind is I think that you were asking, you know, what, what did Tom see? I'm just going to say this. I think that one of the other interesting things to note is that I think that by the time we all ran across Tom, we had had some direct experience with interpersonal violence. And I think that those people are just much better. They're more fertile soil to plant this stuff in. And I think that, you know, you can't deny reality. A lot of people, you know, spend a lot of their time trying to deny reality. I think all of us, you know, whether it was our law enforcement background or Tiffany's experience and stuff like that, our eyes were already open. And it's a lot easier to teach this stuff to people once their eyes are already, already open and they're ready to absorb that. And, you know, the, uh, again, going back to the idea, well, you know, we, we had this premise that you're not, you know, you're, you don't want people to impose their will on you. What are the best ways to do that? And then I expect you to do some work to get there. You know, it's, uh, you know, Tom expects you to do the work. It's not that this stuff is impossible. It's just not given to you automatically. And that's why I think Tom, you know, loves to see people shoot well in class while there's always medals and, you know, that kind of stuff because he respects the performance. So, um, I had a whole bunch of other thoughts that were going through, but that's all I can throw out right now. I'm sure I'll have some brilliant streak uh, pop off just as soon as the, we hit, hit stop on the recording here. <laughs> Once again, it will be great podcast material. We'll, we'll, we'll get on there. You know, to me, the, just kind of summing up what you guys have said is that it's all about the mindset. And it's accepting the fact that there is evil in this world and that you need to be prepared to deal with it and that it is acceptable to deal with it. Uh, you have a right to defend yourself. You have permission to defend yourself and your loved ones. And, you know, Tom, it's not about running the gun. It's about running your mind. And you can run a gun differently than he does, and he's not going to try to fix you as long as or change you, as long as what you are doing works. Now, if what you're doing doesn't work, then please listen to the man. But if then uh, Brian Eastridge called me after his first exposure to Tom in class, and he's like, "Hey, man, um, we were shooting a drill, and Tom just walked up, looked at me, looked at my target, looked back at me, nodded, and walked off." What does that mean? And you did okay. It's all right. Just just go on, go on with the rest of your day. And uh, it, it's fine. And, uh, you know, he doesn't it goes get back to that. Uh, it but, goes back to that line that he'll often use in class, which is, if at first you don't succeed, try doing like I effing told you to in the first place. Right. And, you know, it just, it's, like I say, I don't run a gun the same way that he does. But he's never once tried to say, you need to quit doing that and start doing this because what I'm doing is effective. And, and it's all about the discussions are always about the mental aspect of it, the, how to teach it, you know, how to convey that knowledge to people. It's not about they have to do it this exact way. It's they need to do it a way that works. And, you know, I was reminded of, of a thing recently two-handed clearance technique on a closed front garment is a more sure sound way to do things 
and it takes about a quarter of a second longer than that Nicky Neat one-handed clearance method where you catch the shirt exactly the right way that you flub more often than you do the two-handed clearance method. So Tom's willing to sacrifice that quarter of a second to do the the method that's more sure. And that's kind of rubbed off on me and that's kind of what you know it's impervated my teaching style. And I think it's, no, it's not all about the clock. Now there's got to be competence. There's got to be measures. There's got to be skill involved. But sure, sometimes beats, or most of the time beats the Nicky Neat new way of doing things or, or whatever. And uh, I think that's the hallmark is the mental approach, the mental aspect of everything more so than the, I guess it's the sophomore more so than the hardware. Once, yeah. There are instructors that will give you mulligans when they're testing you in class. I think that Tom is very much aware that life does not provide any mulligans. You've got one chance to do this right. And it's going to be really, really important if you have to do this stuff and you need to be able to do it in the, I think of it as the, in the most robust way. You know, uh, we've got to balance um, speed and surety of technique because you don't always get the two at the same time. Any of you have any other thoughts on those ones? Um, one thing that I've noticed and Tom said for us to speak unfettered so I'm going to speak unfettered um, he and I've had this conversation I think I've had this conversation with each of you individually is you know 2014 2015 2016 when I first was like getting immersed into it the people that were coming through the instructor class had all also already gone through combative pistol and it's, you know, the last three or four years, it seems like everybody, their first exposure is they're coming to the instructor class and not combative pistol. And that's why I'm really excited to see Hawk picking up that mantle and starting to run with the combative pistol class. And Hawk, I got to tell you, having taught an IDC, I know what it feels like to walk in and like, oh boy, I'm here teaching Tom's class with Range Master name on it. Woohoo! You know, I understand the pressure. I was scared. <laughs> um, Scariest thing I've done in a long, long time. It really was. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just seems like to me that when when the people coming through the IDC already had the foundation of combative pistol and already knew the ideology somewhat, the, the instructor class was a, had a little bit different flavor. I know there were things we used to do back then, like we used to all have to make a presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to do some other things along those lines. And of course, Tom also only taught it at certain facilities and didn't teach as many times a year and everything. And he, the market's to a certain extent driving it. Um, you know, but now so much time as we're having to teach the doctrine right. as well as the instructor skills. And I'd like to throw that to each of you. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me whatever you want to say about it, Akil. No, you're 100%. Right. And I, uh, that's people, I still get requests. I'm, Hey, I can't, I'm thinking about, you know, cause me and Tiff, we do a lot of instructor development. And so, you know, first thing they say is, okay, what next? You know, we're like, Hey, you need to start working up to the range master instructor course, instructor development course. And then the next question is, am I ready for it? And how do I get ready for it? And then my, my knee jerk answer is combative pistol. The thing is, is Tom's only doing one a year, <laughs> you know, saying in Tampa, 
um, you know, or wherever. And so I actually go take it, you know, and go down there and take it because I just think it's a brilliant class and it's, you know, it's a, you know, great fighting pistol class, first fighting pistol class for somebody, um, you know, and, and so I was, I, you know, kind of on my own, I was starting to tell you, I was starting to say, okay, let me start pushing this stuff out because I was literally getting a lot of requests and I was trying to get people ramped up for it. I, I had three and four I've, at this point, I think I like five or six people that I've literally just working just to get them ready for the IDC. And so I said, I need to start doing this. And, um, and I was actually doing one when my version kind of, with, and then Tom called me in the middle of it and said, do mine. <laughs> so I was like, wonderful actually because that's what i'd rather do anyway so you know but yeah i I see guys struggling um with a lot of things including the pace you know one thing that people don't realize is tom's pace is until i realized you know one day that it was actually that very little that tom does is is uh by chance (laughs) you know i mean it was conversation me and tiff had a long time ago i was like man it's something about these classes i can't put my finger on and then it hit me it's the pace of it and um, and so one of the things that I try to do, tried to do, I'm going to be trying to do, and I did, and the one that I've done so far is, is try to mimic that pace because a lot of times people get there, and I remember one guy who was pretty decent shooter, you know, in the middle of the class he turns to me and goes, I didn't know I was going to have to keep loading my gun and reloading my gun like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, welcome to the suck, you know, what I'm saying it's just you know, I mean, you know, but you know, so um you know, we, we, that's one of the things that, you know, as I started watching them closely and studying and looking at the history and how things have changed. Remember there used to be a um, intensive pistol class. Remember I took that one too. Yeah. You know, which, you know, he doesn't do, do much anymore. And then I've actually gone back and gotten stuff um, from John, her and other people to look at the history of the class and how it's grown over the years from the mothership and stuff so that I can kind of have a historical perspective on it. And it's, you know, it's, 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 I tell guys, IDC is actually teaching you, this is the class that is teaching you to teach to some extent, you know, me and Tiff teach, for example, we'll do an NRA class, NRA basic pistol instructor, and guys will call me and go or email me, we get it all the time, hey, can I miss that class, and I go, nope, you know, well, I've got this, and I've taught here, and I teach at Fletzy, and I do this, and I'm like, yeah, that's all nice, but this is the class that this certification is certifying you to teach don't you at least want to see what's in it because there's more than one way one right way to do this stuff and um and so they you know they, sometimes they come and the funny thing is after they come they actually go yeah I sh- i'm glad i actually came and took the class and so the one thing about the idc is if you're going to take it i tell people that this is the class that tom's actually teaching you how to teach to some extent you know um and so now that people aren't taking it, yeah, things, you know, I'm noticing, you know, that um, they don't, they're not used to his way, you know what I'm saying? And so a lot of them get caught flat-footed, get caught off guard. Um, we've seen people fall, fall literally, emotionally fall to pieces in that class as a result of it, I think, too. And I wonder sometime, I watched a couple people, that happened to a couple people, and I wondered, had they taken, you know, been able to take combative pistol first? Mm-hmm and been exposed to it, maybe they would have, you know, or taken it once or twice or three times, and they would have been a lot more prepared, you know, for, for, for the IDC. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, my hope is to, you know, to get people ready, you know, for what's coming. Um, and now that he's not doing as many of them, I'm, you know, hopefully I'll do, be able to do them just to get people ramped up and get them ready um, so that they can fare better and understand more and learn more because they're not, 
you know, the fire hoses turned down a little bit, maybe if they've already got some exposure to some of this stuff, you know, meaning this is not the first time they've done the casino drill. They've actually been exposed to it once. So now they can get a little bit more understanding of why he's doing what he's doing with that, you know, and, and the value of that particular drill. Um, so that's my hope going forward. But um, I've noticed that with, we also had a conversation with that with combative pistol and with the, the differences in the demographic of TACON even, which I guess is a whole other subject, so. Tiffany? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, I, I wish that everybody could take combative pistol, at least combative pistol, before taking IDC. And if anybody listening to this or watching this is considering IDC and wondering, like I said, am I ready? My, my advice would be try to find some way to acclimate yourself to Tom's teaching style first before you go to IDC. Because if you're trying to both learn what he's teaching and also orient yourself to his teaching style at the same time, to his pace, to the way he talks, to his low voice, if you can't hear him, if you're not used to his accent, you know, all of this other stuff that can be distracting, then you're going to miss out on all the golden nuggets that are just embedded throughout that class. And you really want to clear as much cognitive space um, in your brain for that class as possible, because he really does pile in, you know, five days worth of stuff in a three-day class. So if you're spending the entire first four hours, you know, trying to understand what he's saying or figure out why he talks so fast or figure out why he, his breaks are so short or what, you know, whatever, all this kind of ancillary stuff, you really are doing yourself a disservice and you're not going to get as much out of the class as you otherwise would. Um, the other thing that I would say though, is, you know, what I'm seeing now in IDC more than back in in the day, <laughs> if, I, if I can put it that way, is folks who are just not only not acclimated to Tom, but not not a part of the culture, more broadly speaking. Like they they're they are either they work at a gun store or they are um, dabblers or they're curious or they just got their permit. We've had some people in IDC who just got their permit, you know, and while I admire the ambition, um, I just don't know that it is a, you know, a good strategic use of time if your ultimate goal is to become a better instructor. So it would be like me deciding that I'm going to learn how to drive and therefore my next step is to compete in the Indy 500 or something like that. Like that's not a good way to learn how to drive. So if, if you're, if you're interested in honing your skills as an instructor, but you've never taught a class or you've only done one-on-one -on -one privates, um, you know, I would suggest number one, find a way to apprentice somewhere so that you can get the reps in. I mean, I, I apprenticed with Tom for 15 years or something like that before I ever even thought about leading a class as the primary instructor. Like it just didn't occur to me. So when I see people come to IDC who just got their permit, I have, I don't understand that mentality. 
because it just it never would have occurred to me. Um, now maybe I'm just not not as ambitious as other folks. I don't know that that may be a character flaw of mine. Um, but you know, it, it depends on why you're doing it. If you're doing it just because you like training and you want to get some rounds downrange, and you've heard of this guy named Tom Gibbons, and he's pretty he's pretty cool, and you want to test him out. Okay, that's fine. You know, take the class. But also don't be disappointed if you feel like you you didn't get as much out of it as you had hoped to. If your goal instead is to A, become a better instructor and, and hone this craft and B, really get as much out of that three-day weekend as you possibly can, then I think the best way to do that is to find a way to expose yourself to Tom Givens beforehand, preferably with a combative pistol or some other class where you can learn Tom's teaching style, learn his rhythms, learn his pacing, learn what to do on the very limited downtime that you have, when you can squeeze in time to get magazines loaded. You know what I mean? Think, just things like that. What when I say when I say um, folks are new to the culture, I mean things like pulling a gun out of your holster just to you know look at it or something. That's that's a cultural difference. You know, and if you do that in Tom's class, you're going to have a very bad day um, for a whole lot of reasons. And so, you know, people who do things like that, they're not, you know, they're not dumb people. I think they just come from a completely different culture where it's perfectly fine to pull your gun out of your holster for no apparent reason. So, uh, you know. That I'm sorry to ramble on and on, but I guess you touched the nerve with that one, Lee. But I hope I hope that at least um, answers your question a little bit. <laughs> John, okay, wow, so there's a, a lot to try to say here and work in and respond. So let me, let me try to do my little checklist. First, something Ott said about: Do I need to skip combative pistol? Uh, if I can bunny trail here for a second, I was live, still living out west, and there was a shooting group that was just outside of gunsight and like half the people that were there for that competition it was like an outlaw idpa were either gunsight instructors or gunsight affiliated and i think i had flown out there for mandatory training and i was out there for their year in match and they did this as like um small squads of four uh so i was placed with some guy you may have heard of my squad was jeff gonzalez right Corey Trapp, who, if you don't know Corey, he's a gunsmith and the long-range instructor at Gunsight, and uh, Chris Wiggins. Uh, Chris died very tragically in the early 2000s, but Chris was about as bad as an MF if, as you'll ever find. I mean, mm -hmm. former Delta guy, had done incredible things in Central America, in the drug war and stuff like that, so I'm literally shooting next to him. And my whole question was, you know, hey, dude, you know, you've seen me shoot. Can I skip 250 at gunsight and just go take 350? And uh, he's like, look, I've seen you shoot all day. You're a really good shooter. And I'll let you skip 350. But you really need to take the 250. You need to trust me on this. And one of the best decisions that I ever made in my life was to listen to Chris Twiggins, right? Which I didn't, you know, appreciate everything at that moment. But go and just take the 250. I mean, I was, you know, able to get an e-ticket with Jeff's signature and stuff like that. I was able to see that original gunsight curriculum. So we need to remember that we're not selling microwaves here. Okay. I'm not going to say it's going you have to, you know, spend the next 10 years of your life doing this, but this is much more of a crock pot kind of exercise. You've <laughs> kind of got to put it, you know, put the ingredients in there 
and let it simmer and cook for a while. So I've been around Tom for a long time and I've watched the, the courses morph and change. I've always wanted to kind of be asked this question I never had, but, but let, uh, I appreciate the opportunity here. So I've watched combative pistol change from a very more generic handgun course to a class more specifically oriented toward the armed citizen carrying a concealed pistol. Um, I don't just think that's market forces, though. I think that if you look what's happened to the training industry from when we kind of started till now is democratization is the only word I know how to use is we have we are reaching a much broader base of people. You know, they talk about like when Gunsight first started, a lot of the people that showed up for Gunsight had already been in gunfights. Right. You had a very, very deep core of highly skilled, skilled technical people that wanted to really hone their craft. And we used to teach combative pistol too as part of the range master curriculum. And um, hopefully I'm not telling too many stories out of school here, but I always traveled with Tom. So I learned more driving to and from class than I ever have on the range with Tom. But it got to the point that we would rate the class we just taught, right? I can't tell you the last time we caught, taught, ever taught a combative pistol 2.0. I think the highest we ever got was like a combative pistol 1.75 because you reached a point where you didn't have that hardcore body of students. You had people who you had to go back and spend the entire first day reteaching that basic material. And I think, I'm not sure what year Tom gave up teaching combative pistol twos, but it's been a while because the student body has changed. And I would argue that it's probably changed for the better. We've got a lot more people that are responsibly armed and competent out there now than we ever had. I, I don't think, you know, when, I was in graduate school doing research in gun control. It would have ever turned out like this. This is, this is way better than we ever thought. Which leads us to the to, to the, the questions about the IDC. And I've kind of floated this past Tom. I don't think he disagrees with me. When we when I went through IDC originally, there was a block where you had to teach, and there were some other really useful blocks. Like we had um, this is Lee's podcast. It's like a, it was a crap gun module, right? He took out and like in every booth put the world's crappiest gun there for you to have to shoot and try to understand you know, so that you could articulate to your students why the 32 revolver with the 15 pound double action trigger pull was a horrible choice right and we've lost the teach backs and we've lost the weird gun drills and they all have value but it comes back to this is that we're having to take uh students that don't have the same background that i think some of the original students did and i don't think this is an unfair statement at all IDC as it exists and is being taught currently is basically combative pistol one with more classroom instruction as to why we're doing this stuff because students knew why we were doing this stuff before they came here. And I think that's why, uh, to get to the point of this, combative pistol, attending it beforehand is so important is it's a huge shortcut. If you've already been through combative pistol one, you understand all the material that's being taught and you can start worrying about fine tuning and finesse and picking up paying attention to the lectures on adult education. So I, I can definitely see where IDC has changed, but um, I, I would say it's a change for the better because we're reaching a different demographic. With that said, um, it's a bit naive to just barely pick up the pistol and go to that class and expect to do well. I mean, it, it is a class that you you can fail. I mean, I, I think we're running about, still about 15%, uh, which doesn't sound so bad to you realize that's like one in six, okay? So, I mean, that, that you know, you not passing this class is totally a possibility on the table. So, 
Uh, I can't even remember what the original question was, but I mean, I definitely think that IDC has changed. It's changed for the better. And that, you know, you need to go take combative pistol with Ock because um, he'll put a gentler boot up the butt to get you prepared for the IDC. <laughs> How about that? How's that for an awkward sales pitch? Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you know, change, change for the better. I, I won't argue the negative on that because I understand why it has changed and what it's what it's doing now. Um, when I first enrolled in college, I don't have a college prep diploma from high school and I never took a college, one of the traditional entrance exams. I took a entrance exam to the junior college that I first started in and I scored a 97 on the reading and 93 on the writing and a 74 on the math on, on this little exam. And they stuck me in college algebra 101. And after the first day of class, I walked over to my advisor's office and said, I need to take math 99. And she pulled out my records and said, no, 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 you made a 74 on this. You're qualified to go into the the one-on-one class. Ma'am, I understand that the, my test score gets me into one-on-one. I'm telling you, I need to take 99. And so I swapped and went into that. And when I took 101 the next quarter, I exempted the final because I went and did what I needed to do to get myself prepared I had to go do that I had taken high school algebra in the eighth grade and I didn't start college till four years after I graduated from high school so it had been eight years since I had looked at this stuff and you know the first day I walked in and the instructor said you need to know how to do factoring I'm like oh, I don't know how to do it I don't even know what it is <laughs> so I went I had to take a step back to take the step forward that I needed to take and prepare myself and so when we say go take the combative pistol when it's available and everything, it's not a negative. It's, it's you building the foundation to prepare yourself to get the most out of IDC. And if you've taken went directly to the IDC class, well, then go back and take combative pistol one now, and maybe you'll understand some of the material better that, that you learned in, in IDC. And, you know, I see the instructor class numerous times a year i taught it as the lead guy for the first time this year and you know, all three of you mentioned pacing i tried to match tom's pacing and thank goodness i had some excellent help in the form of the magnificent steve and, and some others there on sunday afternoon after we'd handed out the the written test and everything was done i looked at steve and i said you've got to take over for a minute i'm mentally i'm shot give me a minute and Steve took over and did all the math on who got the high award and all that kind of stuff Was thankfully he'd already done a spreadsheet and it was all entered in the in all that stuff too so if I had had to sit there at that point and add up all that stuff and run the class averages and everything I, I was fried I, I think we'd have been we'd have been toast there for a little while so how he manages to do that as a one-man show on the road so often and I thought I knew the material. I don't know how many times I've assisted in the class. I sat in my office going through the PowerPoints before I went to deliver it. And even then, when I was going through the PowerPoints, they're his, they weren't mine. And I would like, I would sometimes I would go, what was that slide there for again? <laughs> and I catch myself and I kept telling myself, don't try to be a Tom impersonator, teach true to the material. Everything. Although Tiffany, I will say that when I told a Tom joke and didn't get a laugh, I got a groan. I was very upset. 
Are you ready for the joke, Tiffany? You're not? Because I know you love these. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Why does a chicken coop only have two doors? Why? Because if it had four, it'd be a chicken sedan. That one always gets you. She had to start the camera off. <laughs> I got that same response when I did it in class. Now she turns it back on. Everybody sees her laughing. She was trying to keep a straight face. Um, and hocks back to it. So it's, it's hard to take material that you didn't personally develop and deliver it to the style. And, but I think that's okay. Okay. Ak, you mentioned something just a second ago about the changing demographics and the changing demographics of TACCOM. Would you touch on that? Um, I've, I I remember going to, I've been going to TACCOM since 2010, I don't know, but um, a few weeks ago at TACCOM and it would be kind of like the Cognoscenti, you know, I mean, the guys who were really into mm -hmm. this, um, you know, um, and who were, you know, a lot of them were, you know, it's just like now, guys who you know were, were well known in the industry and this this bit of the industry we have, and you know, the, and it would be kind of some highbrow conversations going on. I remember watching Paul Gomez arguing with people about you know gun sight doctrine and saying, and and it was just you know, as well as there was stuff for you know, normal you know. I would say I would almost say I would say the average person because you know when I think about it, somebody like me is you know you know. I've, you come in knowing there's an expectation that you know a bit of the lingo and 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 you know what what tiff cost symbol words and and you know you kind of know you know you've, you've read certain things you you know what gun sight is for example and when what it represents in the industry those kind of things and so a couple of years ago i think it was 18 where were we in darcy 18 2018 we were darcy wasn't it darcy was 17 17 17 and um that was the first time I started helping Tiff and Martin out and I remember looking and what where was some, there was some nice ladies walking by with the little um trailers that you know little wagons that they have and they all had on had on um Mardi Gras beads <laughs> and and I remember turning to Tiff and I think it was Tim Reedy and I was like wow the demographic attack on has changed you're starting to see you know things that we didn't see attack on before you know i mean it was a time when everybody had on the photographer's vest and khaki pants and certain shoes and you know we you know we had the uniform on and, and you know it was kind of the, the club and and i'm i'm watching now you know you know people come there you know with attack on who don't even carry a gun you know i'm actually had to walk people down to a certain bay and you know, get a gun in the holster on their body so that they could attend TACON, you know, and or people calling me before TACON going, hey, you know, I, I, I don't have a holster for my gun, you know, and and so it, it's 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 different and I've watched it, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember that was the same year that there was a, uh, people were getting there at five o'clock in the morning for Gabe's class and I had to watch uh, Gabe change his class for who he had in the class because the people weren't there you know if gay would have taught a class at tacon in i don't know 2009 2010 you wouldn't have worried about the people in that class being you know up to par to at least learn from it you know or, or being able to, to to participate in it and i watched gabe actually have to change the class which a testament to gabe's you know skill as an instructor but that he actually had to change the class to fit who he had in the class you know and it was I was like, wow, things have definitely changed. Um, so, and that's not a negative. 
No, no, not no. I think it's great. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot more people at Tacon now too. Um, I mean, hey, Tacon sold out in 12 hours, and you know, I mean, and it's, I think it's wonderful because now we got now we the cool thing about Tommy now we have classes that cater to those people who are, you know, who are new to this, and and you know, Tacon is some place now where somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience can come and still, you know, enjoy themselves and, and learn something. And we've got, you know, now, you know, I'm, I'm telling the RSOs, if you find somebody in the class who can't handle the class, let us know and we'll get them down to a different class where, you know, we can get the guys who specialize in that, the gateway instructors. We actually have gateway instructors, people who specialize in that now. And, uh -huh. and, and now there is a thing, you know, me, you know, you know, God bless Tiff trying to create, you know, a, a, a corner of this thing where, you know, people are, people's special needs as, as new, you know, shooters and new entrants into the culture actually, you know, are are being taken care of, you know, by people who specialize in that, which I think is awesome. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that goes hand in hand with what John was talking about too. There's as the circle grows and the tent gets bigger, more people find out about it and they want to come be a part of it. And it's not the same. And this is a good thing. It's not the same group standing around. It's not we're not all at choir practice. Right. We've actually got people in the pews now. And I, th I think that's a good thing. Tiffany, last last year, 2023, TACCON was 60% first timers. And we're what, 37% first timers coming up for 24? Yeah, it wasn't quite 60, but I, it was it was a big chunk. Um, I don't remember the exact number. I'd have to pull it up. I'm not as prepared as Fernie is, unfortunately. <laughs> but... <laughs> you are, Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it was in the 50s. Um, it was yeah. it was right around half. It was first timers in 23. And what do you think? What impact do you think that has on the event? It changes the event for sure. Um but I don't think, I mean, I agree with Ak and with you, Lee. I don't think that these changes are necessarily a bad thing. Right. What would be a bad thing is if Tom's original vision for TACCON were to be extinguished by an onslaught of folks who TACCON was, was never meant to accommodate. That I don't think has happened. Um, I think those same people that Tom wanted to gather together um, those like-minded folks who could network, who could swap those war stories and talk, you know, high talk about gunsight history and all the things that Ox said he overheard, you know, way back in the days when TACCOM mm -hmm. was at the mothership. That stuff can still happen and does still happen at TACCON. So I think it's great. Um, but if we can bring more people in who can do exactly what Ock did, which is kind of hang out on the edge of the of, of the water hole and hear this stuff and you know see that hey all of these people who shoot like John Hearn you know they're just regular folks I think that is essential to the overall health of the second amendment because if if people like Hearn or people like Ock or people like Lee or people like Tom if if you guys end up staying in this bubble and the perception grows that, hey, they're them and I'm me and there is a gulf between us and there the two shall meet, that is going to be, that would be the death 
of the Second Amendment, I think it would it would it would be fatal to our rights. So it has to, to go back to the term that Hearn used, it has to stay democratized. It has to stay accessible to everybody, not at the expense of the people who are, you know, who are hardcore enthusiasts who are there all about the history and everything, certainly not at their expense. They are the gatekeepers, but we definitely need to make sure those gates stay open and have folks come around and say, holy crap, you know, listen to all of this history, all of this expertise, all of this wisdom floating around and then decide, you know, I can sit in a room with Hearn, Weems, and Gellhouse and hear you guys nerd out about stuff that I could never dream of knowing and decide for myself whether I want to pursue that knowledge or not. And either way, whatever my decision is, I'm all the better for it as opposed to my having the impression that, well, TACCON is just for people like Weems and Gellhouse and Hearn, and I don't belong, so I never afford myself the opportunity to make the choice. So I think that TACCON being open to a whole bunch of different types of folks, different experience levels, um, different backgrounds is a good thing, and I'm excited to see it. And I think that with the IDC being more and more what Tom has offered is he's trying to create a whole field of competent instructors that actually go out and are teaching people what they need to know versus some of the diploma mill uh, certifications that are out there. And I understand why that's happening. Now, the purist in me wants to see the, they should know all the combative pistol stuff before they come to the IDC, but I also understand that's just not possible as well. And Tiffany, I don't know that I've ever seen you wear plaid, so I don't know if you would fit in if it was just me, Hearn, and Gilhouse. I, 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 I will make think it what kind of event that would be. <laughs> <laughs> I will find some plaid to wear. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll put this out here as an interesting comment on TACCON. I think it. TACCON as it's shaping up is a great credit to Tom's original vision. So we go back to the idea that, um, you know, I'm carrying the gun not to impose my will on others. You know, just for instance, uh, the fact that you've got the heavy engagement in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the people interested in the empty hands. There are places in this world where you cannot, if you're an ordinary person, you can't always carry a gun. And please do not take anything I'm saying as anything positive or endorsing of Cecil Birch because it is <laughs> not. I will never say anything good about Cecil. But the fact that you have that wide variety of people showing up and it's not just, you know, this is not just a skill set that's limited to being able to shoot people. There's OC, there's, you know, JITS, there's all these other options out there. I think that's a huge comment on how TACCON is, is possibly even exceeded Tom's original dream for what this was. I mean, I think we think about TACCON, it was, hey, we're having a IDPA match, right? IDPN matches are notorious as time sucks waiting for stages. We might as well have somebody talk between the stages. I think that was the, the genesis of TACCON. So I think it's great that we're where we are now. Well, I'll have to say this for Cecil. You and I have never had a discussion of gun smoke in Big Valley. And Cecil and I did that today before we went on air. So at least he can hold up that another conversation, Herm, where you were lacking. Hey, Lauren Green, Battlestar Galactica, that's about my contribution right there, man. Sorry. <sighs> I will spare hey, Tiffany. I knew that Lauren Green was on there, dude. Cut me some credit. 
uh, I will spare Tiffany the nerding out that was about to happen. All right. Um, now, the traditional progression through the range master instructor ranks was there was basic and advanced, and then Tom created the master instructor class to give people another level to go to to continue improving uh, and continue learning more. And I, the reason to take basic and, and advanced is you can go to the master class and get the four hour lecture on the evolution of firearms training because it's worth it just to get that far. Uh, the pistol craft instructor class, I had a question and via Facebook about that today. And that's you, Tiffany and John and Tom do that one. And it's the equivalent of a basic and advanced rolled in together plus some extra stuff because you don't have that layoff where people go through the three-day class then there's a big break and they come back and do the advance they're running straight into things so they're tuned up and can keep rolling hard on days four and five so tiffany tell them about pistol craft instructor class uh yeah that's that's pretty much exactly it so um it is it is idc plus advanced in one five-day class but it's also more than that precisely for for what for the reasons that you just said lee i mean Tom does not have to spend the time getting people back up to speed from, you know, the gulf that was that elapsed between when they had IDC and when they were able to get back for advanced. So just not having to make up that time gives us another half day, um, if not a full day of time a to spend doing yeah, a full day doing other stuff. So if you I think that protective pistol craft, even though it's five days versus IDCs three and advances two, I think protective pistol craft is 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 a much is much more instruction than just IDC plus advanced. It's it's a great class if you're able to do five days of training in a row. Um, so yeah. I was it just uh you know there's extra blocks in there because we, we pick up a full day. I've got four hours of my I do a four hour version of who wins, who loses, and why. There's like a legitimate, you know, low light shooting for the armed citizen that's tacked in there. Plus uh Tiffany's teaching um her material as well. So it's like an extra, it's basically manages to um it really is an extra sixth day of training there that uh you would not otherwise get. And uh, I, I know we're doing it in Arkansas. That's a great little venue there. You can just, there's nothing there to distract you. So you can totally focus on the material being presented. That's true too. <laughs> uh, did you have any comments on that class? Uh, no, I just, yeah, um, nothing other than what they said. You get more. Um, do we do any, we don't do any, do we do any gateway stuff in that TIFF, I think? We did the AI material. And AI was, material. It, um, actually ended up changing the lesson plan a little bit to to give us more time because it uh, went it we went, went so well and we got so many questions and it ended up swelling. Our two hour block ended up swelling up kind of it was crazy. Yeah. Um yeah. so so that was that was our contribution, me and Ock last time. We'll see how it goes this time. I guess that's how I just have to say what party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing I guess we should talk about would be the instructor reunion, which is if you are a Rage Master certified instructor, um, if you're not on the paid staff of Rage Master, you're not a Rage Master staff instructor. If you're a graduate of one of the instructor classes, you're a Rage Master certified instructor. 
Uh, each year we hold a Rangemaster instructor reunion that is open to all of the certified instructors to come through. And we do continuing education blocks um, for that. There's some shooting that goes along. Tom does something. And um, it's just a good way to get a further immersion into the doctrine and to develop yourself as an instructor. And I'd just like to go around and uh, each of you have anything to say about that? Uh, um, I think one of the best parts about that is the, uh, the codification of the Tenton Range Master Principles teaching. Um, and, you know, we, you can, you know, kind of glean a lot of that if you mm -hmm. take all the classes and get up to the master level. But, you know, there we, there's, we do a whole presentation on it and it kind of really puts things, you know, into, you know, gives you some structure to it. Um, and when I first saw them, you know, you guys are brilliant for putting that stuff together. And, uh, you know, when I saw it, I was like, you know, this is, this is exactly why, you know, why I, I became a part of this team is because of this, that, you know, a lot of things get talked about and discussed and bounced around. But um, the fact that you guys were actually able to codify and say, hey, this is what, you know, separates us. You know, this is what makes it good. This is what we need to be about. This is what, what separates this from the rest, I think, is awesome. So if you don't come for anything but that, I think that that's, that's it's well worth it for that alone. Tiff? I'd have to agree. I mean, for anybody that's not familiar with the reunion, the the 10 principles are, are now, I think, probably solidified as sort of the, the bedrock of the instructor reunion, and we build everything else around the 10 principles. You, you don't get the 10 principles in IDC or in any of the other instructor classes. They, they may get touched on um, tangentially, but but at instructor reunion, we do a full block on the range master 10 principles and they are it, it i mean lee you touched on this earlier but tom is certainly not dogmatic about any of the things that he teaches he's open to you know different things working well for different people and not working for others so that's not what the 10 principles are about it's not dogma instead it it is a set of standards really um a set of kind of metrics by which we in the range master school gauge what training should be prioritized as having um you know the as 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 having the potential for the biggest returns you know the whole 80 20 rule thing and which goes back to what we were saying earlier about tom and his his elegance and how he he just has this knack for shaving it down to exactly what you need and not an ounce more, but also not an ounce less. That's essentially what the 10 principles are. How do we get the most out of training as everyday folks? Um, and I, I I agree with Ak, you know, at, at this point, I think if you if you are range master certified. Um, and you don't know the 10 principles, it's worth it to come to the instructor reunion just for that, that block, because it, it, those 10 guidelines can help you kind of in, in whatever path you decide to take as an instructor, whether you are teaching within the range master doctrine, um, or if you're, you know, veering away from that under your own banner and, you know, doing some things differently than say, uh, Tom Gibbons would either way. I think the 10 principles are a great way to gauge, you know, that they, they, they give, what they do for me is they give me a good, um, they give me a good, uh, 
I guess, vocabulary with which to, to interrogate my own training. You know, what am I looking for in training? What, what is going to pay the biggest dividends for me other than, oh, this is cool, or this person is famous, or, hey, this, this is cheap, or this is expensive, or this is at a destination city, you know, what do I need as a private citizen in my circumstances, and how do I know if this training is worth my time, uh, which is more important than, than my money? That's what I get out of the 10 principles. And I think it's, to me, that's the most important part of instructor reunion. And it also, if you weave those 10 principles throughout your thinking as an instructor, that's kind of the fabric of the range master school of instructorship. It's, it's what, what defines folks who are growing up in the Tom, you know, lineage, uh, if you will, if I can put it that way. All right, Joe. So uh, allow me to introduce a quote from uh, the most quotable man of the 20th century, Sir Winston Churchill, right? He said, if you want me to speak for two minutes, it will take me three weeks of preparation. If you want me to speak for 30 minutes, it will take me a week to prepare. If you want me to speak for an hour, I am ready now. And every time we do that range master block, I am amazed at the quality. That is an amazing distillation of somebody's life work. And you really don't get it condensed down and just laid out point by point by point anywhere else without an instructor reunion and as everybody's kind of keyed into i think that's a huge value because it kind of gives you some guiding principles to develop even if you're not following range master doctrine per se to the letter it really does give you a framework on which you can reasonably hang everything else you're going to do so i think that just as everybody's kind of keyed into that distillation that took us a lot of work and effort to get there i mean that was that was not a light undertaking i mean there was uh for those of you who don't know we we were invited down to tom's house and we didn't know what we were doing till we got there but there was an extensive reading list before you were allowed to come in i mean there was an extensive reading list going back to the 1920s so it, you know this is not something that was entered into lightly and uh, again every time we do that presentation i just can't believe that anything that involved lee weems could be that good right but uh the other thing I think that's great about the instructor reunion is that there's a lot of, I guess, material that's kind of intended for like a common audience. Like you know, this will sell in a gun magazine. The great thing about the, the instructor reunion is you're going to get material that's kind of more, very more specifically targeted. It's almost kind of niche. And I, I don't know if esoteric is the word, but you're not going to get it pretty much anywhere else but there. So I think the other important thing about the instructor reunion is it's the ability to, number one, hang out with like-minded people, whether they choose to wear pants or not, right? But also, you're going to get exposed to courses and material that you would probably not literally get anywhere else. So it's a pretty unique opportunity as far as being exposed um, to important, relevant information as instructors that you're simply not going to get anywhere else, or at least not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I'll agree with all of that. I think... You know, any of the classes are drinking from a fire hose and coming to the reunion and getting to see the 10 principles laid out, you know, you take a deep breath, you can think back to the IDCs, you can think back to the other courses and you go, okay, now I've got some structure uh, to go along with it. And, um, you know, one of the, some of the feedback that I got from the IDC that I taught earlier this year was, if one, I was expecting a little more nuts and bolts 
rather than so much information coming at one time. I'm like, well, you know, it's we got three days. Dynasty's is kind of to prepare people to give the information, the information they need to be taken forth to their students. You know, you can come to the reunion and get the 10 principles and kind of get more of a nuts and bolts on how to do that. John? Well, so I think that's like, this is what people don't get about Tom, is people expect to show up and like get a lesson plan and you just show up and you do these things. And that has never been Tom's instructional methodology or anything like that. He actually expects critical thinking as far as this stuff goes. So, you know, people might express that, um, you know, up to the, where are the nuts and bolts and stuff like that, but he's giving you principles. And the great thing about principles is they don't change. And it's far more useful than getting a canned lesson plan that is either going to um, remain as dogma and eventually become antiquated and outdated and useless or simply changes with the whims of whatever the tactical guys are doing. So I think that approach of giving you principles and providing you with information to make your own informed decisions is what kind of separates the range master program from a lot of other material that are being authorized offered out there, especially, you know, a lot of what Tom's competing with are canned programs that provide exactly that, but, you know, for the people that can actually in, engage in some critical thinking and and actually care about this at a deep level, you know, I, I think it's a huge value as far as that goes. All right. Is there anything that I should have asked you guys about that I didn't ask you about that you would like to discuss? Aaron, who's your favorite Range Master kid? Uh that's a three-way tie between Tiffany, Tiffany, and Tiffany. <laughs> Good answer. How about, and, how about uh, that softball? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are other things that I might be willing to share, but um, they are only going to be, um, uh, oh, what's the word, uh, posthumously delivered, is I will only tell some students at that point. Fair enough. Uh. <laughs> All right, we'll go around for closing thoughts and anything you've got coming up that you would like to like to let the audience know about. Akil, um, thanks for having us, man. Uh, this was this actually ended up being one of the more fun podcasts I've done in a while. Thanks, and uh, <laughs> I and you know now I'm doing them pretty regularly, which and I'm grateful to be able to do that. And you guys have a lot to do with that. And thank you for helping me with that. Um, got. I'm fortunate enough to be the times allowed me to teach uh, the uh, combative pistol and we're doing it, you know, um, different places over the country. Please come um, see us, have a good time with us. And especially if you're thinking about, you know, taking the IDC and, and I mean it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really going to help you. <laughs> I really believe it will. Um, other than that, Tiff and I have got our gateway stuff going. Um, we're doing some stuff in oh, Florida and Texas later on this year. And I think we've actually got more putting up um, for Nashville in the summer um, in the air conditioning of uh, indoor ranges and classrooms. Uh, so please come, you know, see and hang out, hang out with us. We have a good time with that. Um, so I think and the Range Master reunion is coming up, too. So, guys, if you, you know, if you're a Range Master instructor and you haven't, haven't been the one yet, you know, you really should come. You'll have a great time, we promise. Tiffany? 
Yeah, if anybody's listening to this and um, angry with us for not actually telling you what the 10 principles are, guess what? <laughs> we will tell you in Whitehall, Arkansas. We will tell you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, how's that for a teaser? Um, no, I, I guess I'll just echo everything that, that Ox said. And thank you, Lee, for letting us join you for the 100th episode. And also thank you for the, for the surprise guest. Totally caught me off guard. It was really good to see Tom. Um, and on that note, I'll give a shout out to Tom since this whole episode really just kind of celebrates his legacy. So Tom, thank you for allowing us to, um, you know, for entrusting us uh, with your with your life's work, as, as Hearn so aptly put it earlier. That is no small feat. Uh, it's some really, really big responsibility and we 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 don't take it lightly so um it's glad to hear that you're proud of us and that you know we haven't let you down yet <laughs> we're some wood to knock on um we'll keep we'll keep trying to to be worthy of of, of this honor um in addition to range master Ak uh, talked about some of the things that he and i are doing under the citizen safety academy banner which is keel's company um, gateway instruction is my lane. I love teaching how to teach brand spanking new beginners. And uh, so like I said, we've got our gateway instructor courses coming up soon. Um, we've done two of them already. We've got, I don't know, three, I think, planned for this year. So I hope to see you there. If you are teaching brand, 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 brand new folks, like never touched a gun, scared of guns, people who are like I was, before I walked in the range master, the gateway instructor course is for you. And um, I hope Ak doesn't mind me getting a little ahead of my skis here, but I think that we are going to be putting together another webinar um, this summer. We got a lot of requests for a webinar on PowerPoint for firearms instructors. So that's probably coming. <laughs> So thanks. Uh, thanks for for joining us this hour. And hopefully we didn't bore you too much. Appreciate it, Lee. <laughs> I do have had a listener request for another Gateway instructor episode. So get, to be, get your thinking cap on for something you want to do for that. Happy and when time. you're ready, tell me, we'll we'll get together and do it. John. Okay, so uh, something I forgot to mention earlier, and I, I was going to be an utter failure if I didn't mention this, was the early days of like Range Master and Tiffany. I was off during the week, uh, typically off, you know, Wednesday, Thursday. And I always just, I would just drive up to Memphis because there's not a whole lot to do in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. I was convinced for years that Tiffany did not actually have a house because you would like walk into the Range Master facility and you would find her passed out asleep at random horizontal surfaces like there used to be a big set of sofas in the lobby you might be passed out there i can't tell you how many times i walked into the classroom when it wasn't being used turned the light on and tiffany's like passed out on the sofa okay so she like literally spent years as a near homeless person in the range master facility you just never knew where you'd like accidentally interrupt one of her naps that was one of my, my fondest memories of uh uh tiffany in the early days uh, with that said, I don't mean to be all weepy and nostalgic, but I'd also say I was thinking I've met some incredible people to this Range Master family, some of who aren't with us. I mean, I immediately, uh, Tiffany, I think of Craig Harper. Um, Craig was just an awesome, awesome dude. I never would have met Craig if it weren't 
but for the range master experience, Colonel Sheridan, there's a lot of people that we taught with that aren't here with us anymore that I would never have gotten the chance to know if it weren't for the range master family. So not everybody is like Lee Ween. There's some really good, decent people out there. And if you get into the range master family, we're a pretty cool group of people to hold, uh, hang out with and to nerd out with. Um, with that said, I do have my own shingle out. It's two pillars training. Uh, I'm doing some, uh, as far as I know, unique stuff, as far as this idea of cognitive pistol, uh, making you think with the gun in your hand, it's actually selling out pretty good. I think the only classes that I have shooting slots left in are October in Meat Hall. Uh, with that said, I also can, uh, throw out a mean lecture and nerd out that way. Uh, I do have seats. I'm in, uh, Terre Haute, uh, Indiana in uh, July. I have seats for that. I'm actually going to be in Culpeper, Virginia, which everybody complains, hey, when are you coming to the Northeast? Uh, because of logistics, that's as far as I can get. I still have like maybe six seats for the lecture up there. And then, like I said, the stuff out there at Meat Hall. And I'll probably be doing a, my crime webinar in December as well, as far as that goes. Uh, with that said, Lee, I think we're doing something next weekend, right? At yes. Red Hill Range. And there's like, there's like three or four seats left for the cognitive conclave. There so I guess if you want to see what happens when Gelhouse, Weems, and Hearn get together to put on a class, uh, you have a very limited opportunity to uh, find out what that's going to be like. Yes, because this episode will debut on the morning of the 24th, and that class is this coming weekend, if you're listening to this in the morning. Uh, there are three seats remaining. So hurry up and jump on those and come to Red Hill Range in Martin, Georgia for the Cognitive Conclave. Um, the only thing I've got open enrollment with seats in available in our is a trigger management class in Cisco, Georgia, which is in the Dalton, Georgia, Chattanooga area. Uh, I think you're teaching a combative pistol class up there, aren't you? At the Cahutta Pines. Yes, and I think late May, May 27th, and there's a few seats left in that one, just a few, though, so. Yeah, I've got a class booked up there in September, and it's completely open. Nothing's sold in it yet. Uh, everything else I've got sold out or contract classes, other than the three seats remaining in the Continental Conclave for this weekend. And um, I guess that just about wraps it up, because we've, <laughs> we've been going a good while here. Uh, doing, Wait, uh, I have something else to say. Okay. Can I say something else? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I spent my last um, little spiel thanking Tom. And I, I mean mm -hmm. that from the bottom of my heart. But I would be remiss if I didn't also thank you guys, my brothers. I appreciate everything that you've done uh, mm -hmm. for me over the years to help me grow. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm from a different world from the three of you and 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 you could very easily have said who you know who is this little wannabe get away the, the the grown people are over here talking and none of you did that you all totally embraced me and i it just it means the world to me so thank you and i'm going to stop because you know yeah i'm going to stop right there thank you well <laughs> tiffany if we'll associate with her and we'll associate with anybody <laughs> <laughs> it's a low bar <laughs> Uh, I guess we should also uh, give a shout out to Hey Lynn, Hey Mom. Even though you're, you're you're enjoying yourself on a beach somewhere instead of being, I know, right? sitting here on a Sunday night <laughs> podcasting yeah. with us, I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, I very much enjoy my Range Master Association, my Range Master family, uh, all the all the people on the staff here, and the people we meet traveling around the country. Uh, doing this, that come to classes, that come to TACCON, that come to the reunion. Uh, it 
truly is more than just a business relationship. And um, I'm very much appreciative of that. And, uh, you know, we've lost some along the way and I miss them, miss them too. And, um, you yeah, know, that, that's, that's the way of the world though. But uh, if you're listening to this, come on out and join us. And, you know, your most important asset is your time. Thank you for choosing to spend it with us.